Hey everyone, this is Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm really excited to have on the show tonight, Jason Erickson. Uh, Jason Erickson is the admin of the Massage Therapist Group on Facebook. I think there are about 45,000 members at this point. Jason is heavily involved in the pain science community and in trying to uplift massage therapists and pain science education in our industry. I was really excited to be able to talk with him. And Jason, can you give people a little more information about yourself and how they can reach you? Sure. Um, my uh, website is healtharts.com. That's healtharts with an E-S. Um, my uh, uh, contact information is on there, and I've also got a contact page. Um, and I teach CE classes around the country um, with as Jason these seminars. And um, you know, folks are also welcome to contact me via Facebook. And uh, I'm easy to find there because I probably spend too much time on it. Cool. So, uh, Jason, were there certain topics? I know we had uh, before the podcast just a brief conversation about some things we might potentially discuss. But is anything in particular jumping out at you that you wanted to talk about tonight? You know, there's I'm I'm pretty much wide open. I mean, there's so many good topics that have been discussed lately. Um, you know, the state of uh, the state of cha- you know change in uh, massage therapy education, um, you know, just overall seem there seems to be a sea change of of in attitudes and interests uh, in a lot of um, uh, massage therapists, and so uh, I'm kind of interested to go with in a in a variety of directions. So why don't you lead off, and, and we'll see where it goes. Well, let me let me say some things, and then we can kind of riff off of each other. Um, I think that. The industry as a whole, um, I've been working now, I think, for the last 17 years. So I had a chance to see maybe pre-massage envy and then the overall massage industry, and I mean that in a large U.S. scale, um, start to shift towards larger corporations and companies, massage heights, massage envy, those sorts of things, Um, elements comes to mind. I think that individual massage therapists, when I talk to them, I'm getting a little bit of therapists who are maybe my age or older that are specializing. They're going into like niche areas that aren't just what I think people would classically think of as just massage. Um, They're going into sort of specializations related to pain management or uh, specific kinds of work like manual lymph drainage. So now that there's this blanketed mass market for massage, they're therapists who are specializing. Is that what you notice as well? Oh, huge, huge. Um, you know, when I first got into massage, you know, I I already had an interest in helping people with pain and injuries and stuff, and, and particularly uh, working with athletes as well, um, because I used to be a competitive athlete, and I... And I start, and I first started really taking massage seriously as part of my rehab program to recover from a bunch of uh, injuries and and other issues that had reduced me to disability due to the amount of pain that I had. Um, and so even when I first went to massage school, I already had an idea of you know like uh, of you know I wanted to be able to help everybody, but I especially wanted to be able to focus on like being really good for, you know, for certain types of folks. And, um, and so even though I like to think that I'm reasonably competent to work with most, just about anybody, um, you know, I, I know people that are, that's, that specialize in working with, um, combat veterans that 
I already know enough to know that I'm not ready to work with that uh, with that particular population yet because there's things that I need to learn before I should even dip my toes in that water. Yeah. And I and same thing with uh, it, you know manual lymph drainage. Um, you know, I know just enough about it to know that I don't know enough about it to say that I do that. That's what I do. That doesn't yeah. mean that I can't provide some help to people that have lymph issues uh, or that might benefit from that kind of work. But you know, I, I I refer a lot to other therapists or to other healthcare professionals or to other fitness professionals because I'm not equally good at everything, and yeah. that was. That was a hard thing for me to be comfortable with because I really wanted to to go. Yeah, I know all this stuff, but you know, it's it, you know the truism is that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And so, um, you know, now I, I've I learned I, I know much much more now than I did when I first got out of school. But the the truth is that. You know, I've I've also gotten to be much better at recognizing the gaps in my knowledge and understanding that what I learned when I came out of school was enough to get me started, but it certainly wasn't enough to adequately, you know, address all of the different things I've seen along the way. Yeah, the 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 quest for ongoing, continuing education. You're a continuing education provider, like I am, and I think you and I are likely to be the people who first and foremost will sit and say, I don't know. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many areas. So like if people talk about manual lymph drainage, I don't know a lot about it. I don't have a lot of specific expertise in dealing with PTSD or like combat veterans and some of the things they may deal with. So I'm a little bit, I think along your lines, I, I think really seasoned professionals, we understand the limitations in our knowledge and just how much we don't know. I, well, hopefully, you know, I, I've, I've met some folks that are like, oh, I've been practicing for 27 years. And I'm like, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, so how do you know this or that? And they're like, well, if you just, you know, when you've been practicing long enough, you just know. And I'm like, well, okay, I, you know, and, and, and I, first time I encountered that was I was at a seminar and I had been practicing for about five years. And, you know, and I was in this guy that had been practicing this one particular modality for 24 years made a kind of a pronouncement about what was going on with the person that was on the table. And I'm like, you know, when I asked him, how did you know? And he said, well, you'll just know when you've been practicing long enough. I, I'm like, okay, you've been practicing for this for 24 years. I've been practicing for five years. Can you help me save like 19 years? You know, can you if if you can just kind of bust it down to something that maybe it'll only take me like a few months or a year to 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 be able to figure this out? That would be great. And uh, and he's he was just he was unable to do that, and that was a little frustrating for me because I realized that you know as much as he knows that he's you know he that particular individual was not able to break it down in a way where he could really pass it on to somebody else, and so that's something that. You know, as a continuing education provider, I don't want people that take my classes to go, oh, my God, you know, it's like I, I have no idea how to use, you know, it's like I guess I'm going to have to wait another eight years or what. No, I want people to be able to use what they learn now. And I don't, yeah. you know, I, I want it to be immediate application, you know, and maybe maybe they are not as comfortable with it yet. Maybe they need to play with it for a little while. Cool. That's how we learn anyway. Um, but I don't want people to walk out of my classes going, well, phew, you know, I have no idea how to how to put any of that into use. 
yeah. you know, that's a big fail on my part if that ever happens. I think, I think doing, because I'm a practitioner and an educator like you, these are two very different skills. And one of the things I've been grappling with in the past few years is how to deliver information in a way that someone can incrementally pick it up step by step. And I'm still honing that process. Usually, I think I can explain enough to get someone started and then say, this is what I think is going on, but here are the questions I have that still remain unanswered to myself. I feel like that's a more honest way of giving students information, but also letting them know where my information base stops. I think that's really. I think I. I think it's really critical that 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 also applies to you know when we're educating our clients too. You know, because it's like. You know, you you know, it's like it's one thing to be in a classroom and have a student ask a question and be like, "Oh, I don't know, that's a good question, right?" Okay, but when a client asks us a question, you know, it's like I think there's a certain pressure that 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 some of us have. You know, maybe it was how we were trained to think, or maybe just because of ego. You know, I definitely like when I first came out of massage school, and I've told the story many times. I've but you know, you know, people would ask me like, "Well, what? You know, why do I have this pain?" I'd be like, "Well, you have a trigger point, or you have an adhesion, or." Or you have a this, or you have a, you know, like, but it was very, you know, it was very confident pronouncements. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, uh, when it turned out to not be true, uh, I had just shot my credibility in the foot, you know. But the other thing is that uh, when it came right down to it, I didn't actually know. And every time I learned about, every time I really dug my, my teeth into some new material that I, you know, that I was learning about, you know, I... You know, for for a while, I was not self-aware enough to realize that I was kind of doing that thing where you learn something new and exciting and all of a sudden it colors your whole world and you've got to, you know, and now that's the whole thing. Right. And so, you know, now I've 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 realized that, you know, it's like just because I'm learning something new and exciting doesn't necessarily mean that that applies to everybody. And, you know, and and so some years ago, you know, clients started asking me, like, you know, the you know, the usual question, like, why do I hurt? And I started going, you know, I don't know. Good question. And what was really surprising to me is that, uh, you know, like right away, as soon as I started saying that, the more I, the more comfortable I got with saying, I don't know, the more my clients would look at me and say, go, wow, you really know your shit. And, Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and so, even though I still often tell people I don't know exactly why or exactly what's going on, you know, people, you know, feel it seems to reassure people that I, am, at the very least, that I'm honest enough to admit that there are limits to what I know, yeah. and maybe that what they're really saying, recognizing, is that I'm not going to BS them when yeah. I'm not really confident. Yeah. On honesty, I've never had a client question my integrity or my knowledge base because I got to a point where I said, I don't know. I've mm-hmm. never had to think, I, I don't know what I'm doing because I couldn't rail off, you know, what their issue was specifically. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if you could? <laughs> but <laughs> if, I think one of the things that, um, that I fell prey to was that, you know, when I was looking for, uh, for a school to attend, you know, there were a number of good schools available to me and I came in and I eventually chose one and this, and, you know, and the school has still got a great reputation and so forth. Um, but you know, there is, uh, 
you know, there was definitely um, something with just knowing that, like, I'm attending a good school. I'm going to a school that's good, got a good reputation, and having in inst- having instructors that were confident and so forth. You know, it was it would what I what I don't remember ever having is I don't remember the instructors ever saying, "Okay, remember, you're only you're only learning just enough to be competent. You're only learning just enough to get started." And that, you know, it's like, I, you know, I know that all of my instructors were taking additional classes. I just, and maybe that, and if they said it, I don't remember it, but I do remember a moment that really stuck with me. And it was a class in which we were starting to learn some therapeutic methods and our teacher was demonstrating something and the rest of us, you know, half of us were on the table and half of us were practicing and so we were following along, and one of my classmates is like, wow, so this is how you do it in your practice. And uh, and without missing a beat, my instructor said, no, I never do it this way. And most of my class classmates were like all scandalized. They're like, what? If you never do it this way, why are you teaching us this? Why don't yeah. you teach us the way you do it? And she said, you know, I've been doing this for over 16 years. She said, I'm teaching you what you are ready to learn. Yeah. And that really stuck with me. And over the years, I've realized that 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 statement has really held up well over time. It's kind of like, you know, a white belt walking into a martial arts dojo and on the very first night, you know, asking their, their you know, demanding that their instructor teach them the jumping spin kicks that the black belts are doing instead of the basic front kick that the instructor wants them to learn first. And so, you know, I in my in my CE classes, you know, it's like I I try to be conscious of that because I've seen I've been in a lot of classes where it's kind of like, hey, we're going to teach you this super advanced, you know, kung fu, you know, st- you know, whatever, and um, you know, where the idea is that the massage methods or techniques or concepts being presented is like, is like, okay, anything else you must throw out, you know, you're, you're, you know, it is, I don't like that because, you know, I, if somebody's walked into my room and they've been helping people for the last eight years or 10 years or 20 years um, using what they do know, that means that what they already know has value. And it might be helpful and for, for reasons other than what they were originally taught. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not helpful. And so I don't want them to feel like they have to now abandon everything that they've been doing and just try to be like me. You know, that's A, that would be boring. And B, like, really? You know, like, I mean, they, they know things I want to learn. So why should they try to be just like me when they've already got good stuff that they know? So I really want to see, you know, I really want to see people come in with, you know, open to learning things. But at the same time, it's like I, I try to, I try to think in terms of like how can I present things in a way where people can find the points of integration for themselves, where they can connect what they already know to what they're learning without me having to, without me having to connect the dots for them. And I think that that's, I think most people are able to do that. Uh, it's just. You know, it, you know, just, I have to kind of get out of the way a little bit. Yeah, we'll be back right after a commercial break. For a limited time, Robert Gardner Wellness is offering a free 30-day trial of his industry-leading subscription service, Reboot Insiders Club. That's right. Your first month is free of charge, and after that, it's only $7 per month to continue your subscription. 
Don't worry, you can cancel at any time, and if you cancel before the 30 days, you will not be charged. Inside, you'll learn massage and body techniques and how to thrive in business for only $7 per month. You get access to over 350-plus hours of online classes, including table and mat work and business and marketing. Membership to our Facebook group exclusively for subscribers. And additionally, you'll receive occasional bonuses. And in the past, we've given additional NCBTMB approved home study courses with CE credit. So don't wait. Get your free trial today. Head on over to R-G-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot S-T-O-R-E. That's rgwellness.store. Can't wait for you to join our subscription service. Hey, y'all. This is Trent Knox again. I just wanted to come in here. I see a lot of you guys are coming in on Facebook, and I see some folks out on Twitch saying things and saying hello and, and commenting, and I just want to address you guys and say hello back to you guys and you know let the, let the guests and Robert say hello as well. They say hello. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, so, I, I, I we had somebody call in, and um, I think the system is going to be changing over time. I just want to kind of let you guys know that if you're going to be calling in, the show is an hour long. In the last 15 minutes, we'll take the phone call, and we'll kind of uh, take Q&A as, uh, as we go. Um, and last but not least, uh, for you guys who are listening to this podcast, Audio On Demand, uh, we are also currently doing a free trial on the Reboot Insiders Club. That's your first 30 days free for the Reboot Insider Club. And uh, also, thank you for the follow on Mixer from Shelby26. Back to Robert in the studio. And I believe I'm here again with Jason Erickson. Uh, Jason Erickson, can you give them information again about where they can find you, both on your website and maybe on your social media? Sure. Um, I'm easily found on Facebook. Um, look, look, Just look for Jason Erickson. Uh, I actually also have a page uh, for Health Arts, H-E-A-L-T-H-A-R-T-E-S, uh, Continue Education for Transformation. Uh, website is um, healtharts.com. And there's also there's a contact page on there, uh, and certainly people are able to um, you know send me uh, messages through Facebook as well. Uh, and so, um, other than that, if people you know I've, if people want to come see me for a session at some point too, uh, I'm available at Egan Massage Center in Egan, Minnesota, and our website is eganmassage.com. You can certainly book appointments with me uh, online there, and some and um, whether it's a massage session or if if you just want to come in and uh, and do more of an education or consulting session, uh, I'm available that way as well. Nice. Yeah, what I was uh, saying before we went to break was um, when I deal with students in class, I've not had the privilege of teaching in core curriculum. I only teach continuing education. So the way that I'm putting together curriculum is slightly different. And one of the things that I've noticed is I'll occasionally find students who are fairly fresh out of school, but they're already starting to have problems, um, I'm assuming related to their body mechanics, they're having problems with their hands and arms, 
And I always ask them, like, did they not work on this in school? Because one of the first things I would do, even in continuing education, and I understand that students need a template. I understand that they need a sequence. Sometimes to be able to say, like when you're in massage school, you learn a Swedish routine that's going to give you a basic routine to fall back on, you know, until you're developing and honing your chops for improvisation. But what I really respond well to is questions from students so that I can judge where the student is at and tailor that information to them. And or the student says, well, my hands and wrists are hurting. And I say, "Okay, so now we have clients, their hands and wrists are hurting class. Come around. Let me show you how I'm going to address this. And they get to see how do I communicate with the person? How do I find out where their pain is located? What's my mental process that's going on about thinking about, okay, is it their forearm flexors and extensors? You know, you know um, for instance, and I'll see this regularly, um, clients will come in and say, I have carpal tunnel syndrome. And I'll say, okay, were you diagnosed by a doctor with carpal tunnel syndrome? And they'll say, no, but I have hand pain. And I go, oh, okay. It's possible that you might have some tight muscles that are referring pain, you know, into your hand and wrist. But what I just did is I took carpal tunnel syndrome, this like, ah, you know, I got to have surgery diagnosis and said, oh, you have muscle tension? Sure. Because I have pain, like chronic pain. You talked about being in chronic pain and it's like, how much of your chronic pain was related to muscle tension? Because a lot of mine is. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. It, it, it you you brought up a great example. I mean, carpal tunnel syndrome. You know, this is one of those things. Like people will come in and they'll talk, say, "Oh, I have carpal tunnel," and you know, and I, I don't know if it, how very how much it varies around the country. You know, but in my area, I mean, we've, there's a lot of excellent medical f- facilities and so forth. Um, but you know, obviously, you know, as massage therapists, I'm not allowed to diagnose. Uh, and I have, you know, I have to be very cautious about about contradicting diagnoses. I mean, if I suspect that a diagnosis is just outright wrong, I'm going to refer that person to go see a different medical provider that is qualified to to evaluate and possibly possibly contradict that diagnosis. You know, I don't want to put myself in that situation. But, you know, if a person comes in and says, oh, I have carpal tunnel, I'm like, okay. You know, now if they have hands and wrists, then yeah, they do. They have carpal tunnels. But, you know, that's an anatomical structure. But but the thing is, is that I'm going to want to know, like, okay, so, you know, how did you, how did you find that you have that that you have carpal tunnel syndrome and like, oh, you know, I was diagnosed or I self-diagnosed. Well, if they self-diagnose, then it's like, okay, you know, um, you know, there's a number of different reasons why you might have that. And, you know, some of the, some of the reasons that you might read about on the internet can be pretty scary, but let's check it out. Or, oh, your aunt had it and, and her symptoms were the same. Okay. Well, c- the cool thing is, is that it might be for, you might have pain in that same area for a different reason, but let's check it out. You know, on the other hand, I've had some people say, oh, I was diagnosed by my physician or I was diagnosed by my chiropractor or something like that. And it's like, okay, you know, and and like, and one of the questions I'll ask was like, so how did they assess you? And a lot of times they say, well, they just, you know, I described my symptoms and where they were and they just said, oh, you have carpal tunnel. And that was the end of it. I'm like, okay. So right then and there, you know, it's like that tells me that, okay, that person, you know, basically that person has pain in, in, in somewhere in their wrist or hand. 
you know, it's like, I'm not going to say, oh, well, they did a lousy job or anything like that, you know, but I might ask them, like, did they, did they do this kind of test or this kind of test or, or the, you know, and, you know, and if they say no, then, okay, uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know, the good thing is, is that there's, is that there's kind of a textbook version of carpal tunnel. And that's the scariest one. That's the one that, you know, that traditionally uh, might require surgery. But there are a number of other versions. There are a number of other um, combinations of factors that result in the same kinds of symptoms, but which don't require surgery to treat. And so let me do some assessment and see if we can figure out, you know, if this is if this is something that I can do, or if you would actually need to uh, be referred to somebody else. And so now I haven't had to say, oh, that that diagnosis was incorrect. I've just kind of opened up the door a little bit for them to consider the possibility that it's that it that it might be it might be fall under this diagnosis as a term, but that term, you know, instead of being a pinpoint, it's more of an umbrella, and that there's a number of different things that fall underneath that term. It's like saying runner's knee. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I have runner's knee. Okay. When was the last time you went running? Oh, never. Okay. Well, <laughs> it means you've got pain in your knees. So let's talk about why that might be. And, you know, I think that the, I, I think that what you were saying in terms of, in terms, uh, earlier in terms of getting people to, you know, look at their body mechanics, for example, um, you know, some people tend to um, confuse the term body mechanics with biomechanics, which are two t- totally different things. And body mechanics—I mean, that's that's how you, the therapist, use your body. You know, as you're as you're as you're moving around. And I think it would be really fascinating, actually, to uh, what I've never seen, and I think it would be fascinating to to do it. Um, would be to see a class that uh, that looks at both at, at body mechanics for both 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 on a table but also with the with the client on a, on a mat and look at how the how there might be some things that are different but uh, but really looking at how the concepts and how the principles of good body mechanics are the same no matter whether the client is on a table or a mat because Ultimately, it's like I, we still want, you know, if we need to stack our joints, if we need to position ourselves in certain ways, if we need to, if we want to rely on, on body weight as opposed to muscle effort, um, you know, if we want to do things in a ways that are going to protect our bodies from injury, then the basic principles of that are pretty universal. And so, you know, now it's just a matter of like, how do we express those principles in practice on a mat versus expressing those principles up on a table? That's kind of what, the way I look at it, and I and boy, now you kind of got me wanting to put together another class. <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's so much avenue, and I think you and I both have a passion for massage and body work in addition to education. I'm really not opposing the table. What I what I tell students sometimes is like, listen, if I'm particular about the mat, it's because I think that biomechanically, this is advantageous in many ways. We just give you more tools. I'll say something like that. But the mat work that I teach, there is no major facility in the United States that my students could work at. They don't allow mat-based work. They have to either work independently or work in a small facility that would actually be open to mat-based work. And this is fairly new um, in the Western marketplace because the table is you know, ever-present. Yeah, that's something that I think that is 
part of it's going to depend just on representation. Um, you know, down in St. Louis, Missouri, for example, I was just there uh, a couple of weeks ago um, to teach a couple of classes. And while I was there, I also connected with um, a number of colleagues and some of us went over to the um, AMT and National Convention together. And one of those colleagues is Sarah Dewberry. And she uh, she she is known f- uh, primarily for what she calls barefoot massage. So you know whether it's Ashiatsu or some other brand name of um, of massage that's done primarily with the feet. You know it's you know in you know pretty much all, you know almost all of the stuff that she does and which is done at the center at the business that she owns um, is done with the client on on a mat. Uh, on the floor, and she has five or six therapists, and that's all they do. And they are booked solid for weeks in advance. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they're just about the, well, fortunately for her, there's pretty much the only place in all of St. Louis right now where you can reliably go and get barefoot massage. But I think part of that is just there just aren't that many people learning it yet, but I, I am starting to see more more uh, modalities that rely on um, mat based massage methods um, that are starting to pop up. Some of some of them are like new uh, newly trademarked methods, which may just that look like they're probably just modifications of older existing methods. Um, but whatever, you know, I think that I think it's more a matter of just. Of a lot of individual and individual practitioners and, and small businesses um, promoting it, um, the practice that I co-own, uh, we have about twenty therapists, including myself. And uh, when I first, um, you know, when my partner and I first took over the business, it was a um, part of a very small local chain um, that uses a completely different business model from the other big chains that we're familiar with. Um, and uh, but we're completely independent now, and we have just two therapists right now that do mat-based massage sessions, whether it's Thai massage or otherwise. And you know, for us, uh, it did mean that um, you know making a, so, you know accommodating that meant that um, we couldn't have uh, the hydraulic lift tables in all of our treatment rooms, for example, because you really can't just tuck those into a corner very well. Um, whereas, um, you know, so we, you know, so we have made special accommodations, but we want that to be available, uh, to our clients because Hey, it's, it's great. I, you know, I thoroughly enjoy it myself, but, um, you know, as more people try it, you know, I think that demand will continue to increase And there. And I do know some therapists here in the twin cities that, uh, make their living doing almost exclusively mat-based massage, whether it's Thai massage or 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 uh, some or some type of um, other type of barefoot massage. So I think the market is the, definitely there, but um, you know, so it, you know, I think that there, I, I think that part of it's going to be just increasing representation where it becomes increasingly visible, um, and then part of it just might be a little bit of that. Ooh, it's my feet. You know, I'm embarrassed. You know, some people tell me they're that they're embarrassed about their feet for some reason, and uh, that's a whole other set of issues that I'm not. I don't even attempt to dig into. <laughs> Packaging, marketing, and specialization. the The industry will continue to grow and develop. I'm really interested to see 
say, you know, I'm 42 now. What, what does the industry look like when I'm 62, 20 years from now? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I, a, I think that, uh, I think that in 20 years, we're going to see a lot more integration of massage therapy into our healthcare systems. And I, I think we're going to see, start to see more acceptance and reimbursement by insurance. Um, right now, uh, in uh, Syracuse, New York, there the VA program there has a program that's overseen by a therapist named Nicole Miller. And I got to know Nicole, Nicole and uh, attend a class with her at the AMTA National Convention. And so they've been developing uh, ways of working with veterans and especially with combat veterans. And um, she she's the person that put together the program that is recognized for specialty certification in massage for veterans, which is offered as a specialty specialty certificate through the NCB TMB. And one of the things that she was telling me about is how um, the, uh, the VA up there decided like, okay, we've been offering some other, um, some other um, less conventional options for our veterans. Let's add massage to the list of options and see what kind of response we get. Because, you know, whatever, uh, ther- whatever types of therapy they, they offer and the veterans request, that's what they're going to try to provide. So already they've had a- approximately 3,000 veterans request massage as the primary form of therapy that they would like to receive. And they are going to be receiving an average of 20 massages each. So just in that little pilot program, they've already got 60,000 massage appointments uh, being booked. And they and right now, they only have a network of about 120 therapists to, re- to send them to. If all 120 therapists only saw those veterans full-time, that's still six to seven years of work. And so, you know, there's a huge... Uh, push to bring programs like that nationwide to many other VA centers. And the VA is the largest hospital network in the country. And the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, they've got a massage therapy training program. There's other hospitals here in the Twin Cities, uh, out in uh, over in Washington State, um, massage therapists have been recognized as healthcare providers for some time now. Uh, You know, I think that you know, like not everybody has to become medical or medically oriented or or uh, hardcore science minded types of folks. But, you know, I mean, I think that this, it's just going to be a normal thing for people to go like, OK, yeah, I'm going to go into massage therapy because I want to, you know, I want to work with people at the VA or because I want, you know, I think it'd be great to work at the hospital and I'm going to be I'm going to be a massage therapist down at the down at the local senior center. Um you know, I, I just think that that's going to be, you know, standard. And I think that the compensation that therapists working in those environments receive is probably going to improve considerably too, because um, we're a hell of a lot cheaper than a lot of the other types of services that they can provide. Um, so the thing is, though, is that if we're going to work in those environments, our, our education has got to step it up too. We've got to know our terminology. 
we can't be talking about chakras when nobody else on the oh, entire medical staff is going to talk dare about. You? How dare you, know, you, Jason Erickson? That doesn't mean we can't be thinking about <laughs> chakras, right? Yeah. But we've got, but but the charting and so forth that we talk about, you know, the things that we talk about when we're when we're work with other members of of a med- of a professional medical team, we need to make sure that we're on the same page with them, using the same language. And if we're not, you know, then we're out the door, you know. And um, you know, I know of one medical center where. Um, there was one therapist, uh, you know, they were still in the early stages of getting comfortable with the, having massage therapists in the facility at all. And they had a very limited access to which patients or, or individuals they could work with. And one of those therapists was writing about all kinds of things that were not even remotely normally charted. And there were senior members of the medical staff at that hospital that were absolutely infuriated and they darn near lost the entire massage program. And, um, you know, it took some valiant effort to save the massage program. And, you know, and they realized they needed to, you know, bring those therapists up to snuff. So, and that, and it wasn't long after that, that I started to notice a, a, um, massage, you know, hospital-based massage therapy training programs popping up, so that therapists interested in those positions would be better prepared right away. Yeah. And uh, and um, uh, there's a fellow named uh, Brent Jackson that uh, uh, runs a massage therapy training program in South Carolina, and um, it's phenomenal. They share facilities with a nursing program, and they have, you know, I mean, from from day one, um, you know. You know, things like universal precautions, proper, proper sanitation, you know, I mean, just the whole idea of, of, of how you should work within a hospital or hospital-oriented environment, that's drilled into them from, from day one. And those students graduate immediately knowing how to walk right into a hospital and do their job as part of a team uh, and um, being comfortable with that. They even work with the, um, with the robotic patients that, are, that, that can simulate all kinds of unexpected expected medical uh, situations right there uh, in the middle of a session. And so they get comfortable with, you know, with being able to recognize these things and knowing when they need to go summon help or if it's just something that, or, or if it's something that they can just continue to work with uh, depending on the situation. So I think that's what, I think that's, we're going to see a lot more of that. The battle between what, what I see and what I would generally refer to as uh, science and energy and did you see the National Certification Board, like they sent out an email talking about energy-based courses and like what they're doing about whether or not they're approving, like say chakra-based um, courses for massage therapists. All right, we'll just take a quick commercial break. If you're enjoying this episode and you would like to support Robert Gardner Wellness, head on over to rgwellness.store to see all of the products that we currently have in our marketplace uh as well as earlier mentioned there was the free first month free uh the insiders club reboot insiders club there's also workbooks uh dvds digital copies digital downloads there's a bunch of different things um inside of the rg wellness store I highly recommend you go on over there and check it out. See if there's something that will help you improve your practice and increase your clients or or knowledge with your students. And uh, once again, that's rgwellness.store. Thank you for listening to this episode.
Hello, y'all. This is Trent Knox, pod, podcast producer for Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. On a quick short break here, we want to talk about the new holiday sale that we've been running, 20% off of all digital workbooks and videos. We have that on our rgwellness.store. If you just head over there, go to holiday sale, take advantage of 20% off of our workbooks and videos. Back to Robert in the studio. So as I was saying, um, the work that I teach primarily is mat-based. And as I'm working with therapists, they're it's a little bit like um, you were talking about martial arts, Jason, and it's almost like teaching boxing. And I have an industry of boxers, and now we're going to teach them Muay Thai. Now they can kick. They can, they can use their feet to deliver pressure for mm-hmm. the first time. So whenever I'm working with uh, students, they sometimes feel like it's either or. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, I have preferences for a lot of different reasons, just like anybody would. Mm-hmm. I really just want to take where you are and supplement this. I want to give you more tools and I want you to look at the practice differently to be able to see like what can you incorporate where you are. I've got students who study with me interactively online and they're asking for more math stuff. And then they wonder why I keep creating more table stuff. And I'm like, well, me getting rid of the table just eschews 90% of the massage population to begin with. If I've got therapists who work at Massage Envy and they're boxers and they work on a table, I have to be able to show them how to use their hands and arms and forearms and elbows so that they're not straining and stressing while they're building skills Mm -hmm. and practice to be able to expand. Now, just yesterday, I got a two-hour Thai massage, and you know, and I, I, I've I've studied just a little bit of Thai massage on the table and a little bit of Thai foot massage and so forth. You know, again, just enough to know that I don't know it, um, but I love receiving it. And sometimes I wonder why haven't I done this yet? I used to teach yoga and I used to teach grappling. I'm completely comfortable on a mat. It's like it's like a it would I would be like a fish in water. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, even though I haven't studied Thai massage, it was really interesting is that uh, my therapist and I here and there, we were chat- we were talking about some different things and she was letting me know like, OK, so now I'm going to do this and, and so forth. And, um, and and afterwards, you know, we were talking a little bit more and I realized that there's some things that I could teach her that would make some of the things she did more work better for her body mechanics. And so there's no reason why, you know, it's like I don't have to go be an expert in Thai massage in order to help a Thai massage therapist understand how some some of the mechanisms that are basically universal connect to what she already does. And so that was, and so, you know, one example, you know, um, was that, uh, um, you know, addressing some anterior hip stuff that was a little bit tender, you know, and, you know, so there were some things that she did and, you know, but I could tell that she was working maybe a little bit harder than she needed to. And she made, and she mentioned this herself later on. And I, and I was like, you know, when, you know, whenever you want to, I can show you a virtually effortless way to address that same area and without 
you know, in a way that'll blend very nicely into what you're already doing. And she was very excited about that idea. So it's not like she has to not do time massage. It's just like, you know, maybe we can just like find little tweaks, little connection points. And I think that there's a, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, education to move in that kind of direction because, you know, I think, you know, some, you know, like right now, I'm putting together a hundred hour class for a massage school. And in those hundred hours, I'm going to do, I need to do the best I can to, to uh, present uh, anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, pathology, and some neuro neurology and pain science. And, you know, and a hundred hours is, you know, you could easily do hundreds or thousands of hours on any one of those topics. And, but this is a very entry level class. So I've got to make sure that I'm not trying to like take too deep of a dive for people that are just getting, getting started in their massage training. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, um, I've also seen those kind of presented, like here's anatomy and here's physiology and here's kinesiology and here's the, you know, where they're separate, where there's, where they're, were presented very separately, and I would. And what I'm, what I'm looking at as I'm developing this class is how can I find the connection points so that people can see how the anatomy and the physiology and the pathology are all interlinked, and what are some of the implications for, you know, pain science wise? What are some of the implications for how we might talk to that person? Like, how does that just change the way we would communicate with them based on what we're seeing or what or what they're reporting to us? And so, you know, I'm. And, 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 you know, trying to kind of set, you know, a, a, a framework for them to be able to think in, in ways that, that will enable them to, to integrate what they learn from now on after, once they've taken that class. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it's, that I'm successful in achieving the goals that I have for this class. I don't know, you know, so, you know, I'm, just for my first class, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you have to be the guinea pigs for this, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm, I've talked to educators across the country, and some of whom I, you know, I know that you know, uh, that have been, you know, teaching for many, many years, and some are following a very, uh, a, a more traditional uh, structure in terms of like kind of you know, kind of separating things and then later on showing how things connect. Um, and then I, and then I see, but then I've talked to some that are kind of showing how things are linked all the way and then layering the layering, the understanding of those different things, what, without disturbing those links. So um, I'm excited to see, I, I'm excited to see how things are changing because we have, we also have now the Alliance for Massage Therapy Education. They've got a massage therapy educator certification program. Uh, and, um, you know, in which to, to get that, there's quite a bit of uh, preparation you need to do. And um, you need to be also be able to really understand um, what are this, the core competencies of being a good educator. And you need to be able to show that you don't understand how to apply those core competencies when developing your your classes and your and your programs. And um, you know, I was and I was I was looking at some of the uh, materials um, for you know that I would need to put together to uh, apply, and I realized that uh, I'm gonna probably you know I'm probably gonna move forward with that 
after I develop this 100-hour class because <laughs> it's going to be a chunk of work. But the thing is, is that if I want to be a good educator, you know, it's not enough to just know the material. I think, I think you need to put in work to, on, you know, on how to be better as an educator. Yes. It's, I think they're very distinct disciplines. And you also, as a practitioner, understand what you're trying to do more when you start teaching it to people and they're asking even whether you consider basic questions and you go, oh, I never thought about like, they'll ask a question in class and I go, how do I do that? I don't, because I don't think about it anymore in the same way. Some of it just operates off of pattern recognition and muscle memory. Mm -hmm. Well, and some of that, you know, it's like you, you probably get, you probably get questions where you're like, you, you like, they, you know, how do you do that? And then, before you can answer that question, because you know that you've got an answer, but you sometimes you have to like actually grab somebody and say and start doing it, and then you can explain it as you're doing it rather than just rattling it off the top of your head. And you know, I, I think that's a, always an interesting thing when I see an educator that needs to start doing it before they can break it down and explain it verbally, and uh, because you know that's when you know that it's like you're really getting there. You know, in a in a way, not only are you getting kind of the, kind of a raw take on it, but it's like you also are are taking them into a realm that they really haven't worked out systematically yet. Yeah, you know, they'll do, they'll make do it systematically, but they haven't gotten in the habit of explaining it systematically yet. You're right. You're right. I continue to refine how information is delivered, and then I'm really fiercely critical. I don't think students realize how much time I spend. I notice after classes, I tend to drop uh, in my mood. I get almost a little depressed the day after classes end because I spend time, unfortunately, and I'm working on this, sort of questioning how I deliver things and could I have delivered it better. Now, perfectionist streak can be nice um, mm -hmm. to be able to go in and improve things, but it's unreasonable to think of it as like it, it's perfect. You know, I think of body work and then the education process is this ongoing art, like being a painter. It's not about being perfect. It's about continuing to refine the process to help not only your practice evolve, but as an educator to allow these students to pick up tools, techniques, and theory so that they can apply it where they are as needed. Yeah. It, it, you know, one thing that you were mentioned earlier, it's like in terms of uh, – you know, a, a boxer and a Muay Thai fighter. It's like you know, both of them use their fists, but the Muay Thai fighter they, they'll use their they'll use their fists differently. Even if they're even if they're fighting under the same rules, uh, their footwork is going to be totally different and so forth. But let's say let's say you take let's say you take both of them and say, okay, now we're going to put both of you in the same jujitsu class next to each other, and now they can't throw punches at all. They just have to wrestle. And both of them are going to be in the same new world. Both of them are going to are going to be at a major disadvantage compared to somebody that's been floating around on the mat for a few years because it's going to be a totally different world for both of them. And so, you know, in as educators, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting um, is you know is the transition from. Um, teaching continuing education and now you know for me i'm just preparing to start teaching in a school environment where i'm teaching over the course of an entire term and i know a number of other a number of educators that have gone the other other direction they've been teaching in a school for a while and they're like well i'm gonna start teaching continuing education classes but there it's two different it's it's like 
again, it's like boxing and Muay Thai. It's like it's different skill sets. I mean, it, you know, teaching uh, a group of people that are already working professionals in a in a concentrated format over over one to four days, uh, and they're all highly motivated and have paid to be there is very different from people that are just getting started that are going to be the, working with you for several months and who may or may not want to actually be in this class, and so. Um, you know when we are when are, when we're going through the this process of of get of of teaching, um, you know it's you know I'm confident in my ability to deliver a good continuing education class. I'm you know I've gotten enough kudos you know from the people that have attended my classes that I feel like okay. I, I you know I don't know if I, I I don't know where I rank compared to anybody else, but I know I feel comfortable that enough that people are going to enjoy the class. But when you know I I don't know where I'm going to be you know in terms of delivering this classroom experience, and when people are, um, and yet when and yet when, I think it's just as important to pay attention to the same fundamentals. Are we keeping their interest? Are we connecting things in a way that they can that they can comprehend, and is it meaningful to them where they actually are, where we can motivate them to want to be there? Quick commercial break. Hi, this is Trent Knox, podcast producer and videographer for Robert Gardner Wellness. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. It means a lot to Robert and I that you would take the time out of your day to hear what Robert and his guests have to say. May I ask you of a quick favor? If you have gotten any value out of this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, and share the link on social media. Once again, thank you for your support and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey, y'all. This is Trent Knox again, podcast producer for Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. This is the last 15 minutes of the podcast live uh, the live portion of the podcast. So if you are watching, you are viewing the podcast live and you would like to have your questions answered by Jason and Robert, it is your chance to call in. Call in at 512-539-0442 and we will have you screened to be on the show. And uh, and before, last but not least... Um, Again, holiday sale currently going on 20% off of digital workbooks and videos. If you go to robertgardnerwellness.com, go to the store, you can go to the tab that says holiday sale, view the workbooks and videos there, or you can go to bit.ly forward slash RGW holiday sale. Okay, guys, back to the studio. So, Jason, I'd like you to go ahead and introduce yourself again, and then I'd like you to continue what you were saying just before we went to a commercial break. We were talking about the NCBTMB and, like, energy-based courses for massage therapists. Sure. Jason Erickson, and um, I can be found at online at um, healtharts.com, uh, or you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, healtharts.com. Uh, or sorry, Health Arts, Continuing Education for Transformation. Uh, otherwise, you can just look me up by my name. I'm easy to find because I spend too much time on Facebook. Um, and uh, I'm certainly happy to take comments or questions anytime. Uh, as far as the uh, NCBTMB and the announcement, you know, some years ago, they, um, they started an initiative to look at, you know, what classes they had uh, and what providers they had on their 
on their books to see, you know, like what was going on. Because there was a huge amount of controversy about some of the types of classes that were approved. And then also some of the, you know, like what were some of, and some of the classes that were not being approved. And so I don't have any, uh, you know, I don't have any any deep uh, connections in those processes myself. But what I thought was very interesting was that some years ago, uh, they did say that they were going to uh, stop uh, approving certain types of classes, and um, which was a big shift away because at one time, you know, they were willing to approve all kinds of all kinds of classes that had, um, let's just say, questionable provenance, and um, you know, in you know they have over the last few years uh, stopped um, stopped approving or stopped renewing uh, classes that did not meet the updated standards that they had set. But there are some classes that were renewed um, that you know within the last year or so that are not going to stop being renewed until the initial approval period is over with. And, you know, I, and I think that that's a, you know, probably an intelligent choice because in a way by renewing those classes and saying, okay, it's renewed through 2020 or 2021, you know, they, I think they have to make good on that, uh, commitment. Um, and so, you know, um, you know, I've, I've been a big proponent for improving, um, the standards of by which classes are evaluated prior to approval, uh, whether it's by the NCB, TMB, or really by any other uh, organizations. And, you know, the big thing about the recent announcement by NCB, TMB was that they were going to, they were no longer going to uh, approve uh, massage classes that purported to teach energy work that did not involve touch. And um, so if it was something, you know, related to like, you know, just distance, like, like, here's the person you're trying to help and here's your hand, you know, whether it's, you know, six inches or six miles or 6,000 or whatever, um, like, they're like, no, you know, that's not massage. It, there needs to be physical touch. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the person that has to parse that out because I know that there's going to be folks that are going to be try to, that are going to try to game that system a little bit um, by saying, okay, you know, like here's the hand, but my other hand is going to touch them too. You know, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a little bit of that going on and um, definitely some, uh, uh, you know, some controversy, but I think it's a big step in the, in the right direction because, you know, ultimately, uh, as massage therapists, you know, we're, we're known for touch, you know, if we're not doing touch-based therapies, uh, we're not doing massage. And so, um, I, I, you know, they are, uh, they're about therapeutic massage and body work. And, you know, that kind of implies that your physical contact is involved. So I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of that. Um, I think that it kind of follows on the coat heels also uh, a couple years ago, the state of Georgia, uh, their massage board there announced that they were going to stop recognizing uh, a number of different modalities um, that were more energy based, um, that they were going to stop uh, allowing people to use those uh, for continuing education requirements. And so I think we're going to con continue to see movement in that overall direction. It doesn't mean that people couldn't stay, still take a uh, take classes in these. Uh, various modalities and incorporate them somehow into the way that they practice. But, um, you know, 
if we're ultimately if we're going to represent ourselves as manual therapists and you know in which touch is required um and if we're going to be if we want to be taken seriously by other types of um uh therapists or healthcare providers or fitness providers or whatever you know the more all these other professions they're moving forward with uh having a better grasp of the underlying science and and um and and uh um uh, mechanisms by which these things work and by which different types of therapy work. Uh, we need to step up our game and, and keep up with that. You know, I've heard too many people that are hopelessly out of date say, oh, the science hasn't caught up with me yet. No, I'm sorry, but uh, the only people that say that are people that have no idea what the science is currently saying and they are hopelessly behind the times. So, you know, I'm trying to, you know, it's like, I, I'm I'm trying to stay reasonably abreast of of science and and have some idea of what's coming up down the road, but when it comes right down to it, every time I go to a medical conference, every time I go to a research conference, there's always things just like blow my mind, uh, you know, because of the implications for what might become possible with what I do in my just in my areas of practice, and. Um, you know, we're going to, I think that we're going to see um, a lot of changes um, in the way that, that people respond to, to our therapies, uh, just be, depending on, um, you know, things like the fact that uh, they're looking at treating burns now by basically being able to spray on uh, cells that convert to skin and allow people to heal with much less damage and in many cases much less scar tissue like holy cow I mean that could dramatically change you know the the you know the application of how we can work with people with burns how soon after a burn we could we could work with them um, you know so uh, you know I'm excited you know at the same time it's like you know this isn't getting any less gray so you know I need to I need to keep paying attention. I can't just sit back on my laurels and go, oh, well, you know, I know enough. I know enough, you know. Well, got Trent? Yeah. So, uh, Jason, it was really great talking with you. And most like, much like many of the other educators, uh, people that I've spoken with, we could probably do this repeatedly. We could take just the NCBTMB and do an entire podcast on that. We could do another just on pain science. We could do another on cultural appropriation or different approaches to body work. Um, if you're open to it, I'd love oh, to we didn't even get into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the whole idea of cultural appropriation and body where I, I, that that's one, a topic you and I had briefly discussed online. And I I'd love to get into that too, because you know, who, who doesn't learn Swedish? Yeah. Let's, let's just set it up. If you're open to it, let's just set up a time. And then um, for where we go from here, Trent, are we having people call in? Okay. Well, listen, thank you so much, Jason, for uh, contacting me, um, getting back to me to put this together. We'll do this again soon. And if you'd like to do one specifically about cultural appropriation, I think that would be a jumping off point to lots. So let's go ahead and do that. And then one last time, can you tell them where they can contact you? Sure. Uh, you know, as my name is Jason Erickson. You can find me at healtharts.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-A-R-T-E-S.com. Uh, there's contact link there. Um, otherwise, you can find me online at Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Health Arts, 
continuing education for transformation and you can also just look me up by my name jason erickson and um, i'm easy to find the other thing is that uh, if you would like to see me in person for either for therapy or for uh, one-on-one consultation too you can also book sessions with me at egan massage center in egan minnesota uh, and just go to eganmassage.com and you can uh, either give us a call or schedule online for that Thank you so much, Jason, for coming on, and we'll go ahead and talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me on. I really, pre- I really enjoyed the experience, and I look forward to more conversations with you, Robert.